Hey there. Welcome back to the Nutrition Edit. Today, my guest is Nicole Field. Nicole is the owner of Whole Living Pilates Studio located in Colorado Springs, Colorado. She has taught Pilates for over 17 years and is passionate about helping her clients reconnect to their bodies through movement. She now also works as a somatic healing practitioner, focusing on somatic stress release therapy. Nicole sees clients both in person and remotely, offering group and private sessions, and you can find her at wholelivinghealing.com. I'll also include her contact info in the show notes for you. We had a really great conversation today about getting in touch with your body and your intuition and how healing your emotions can translate into physical healing. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did, and let's jump in. Welcome to the Nutrition Edit Podcast for high-performing women who want to up-level their health and feel their best in their bodies, careers, and personal lives. In this podcast, I'll sift through the latest nutrition and biohacking trends to filter out the bullshit, share what you really need to know, and help you put the good stuff into practice in a way that works for you. You'll get actionable tips from guest experts and myself on how to up-level your mindset, workouts, relationships, and environment, and start feeling like the badass woman you are. Join me as we bust through the bro science and male-centric health paradigm to help you achieve optimal performance, body, mind, and soul. So welcome, Nicole. I'm super excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Jeannie. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited about our talk. There's so many things I want to ask you and learn about. And I was just thinking this morning, like how cool it is, how we reconnected. So for those of you listening, Nicole and I actually went to high school together and lost touch for, I don't know how long. A long time, 20 years, something maybe like that. We should, I shouldn't even say it. It'll date us. And then I think, did we just reconnect through social media somehow? I think so. I think over Instagram. Yeah, it was Instagram. Yeah. So yeah, really cool. And we're both pretty different people. I think that we were back then and we've gone through a lot of growth and change, probably some good, some bad and everything in between, but you have had just an amazing journey and you do some really, really cool stuff. So I'm excited to hear about it. And yeah, I think it's going to be super beneficial for listeners, clients. So I'd love to just start off. Um, why don't you just tell us about yourself a little bit and how you got into teaching Pilates and then eventually the somatic therapy? Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me. And um, I just love that we've reconnected and have so much in common in terms of like what we're passionate about with helping our clients and the people that we work with. And so, um, yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. So I was first connected to Pilates um, in college. So I was a dance major and I had a teacher who really encouraged me to take Pilates. She thought it would help me to connect to my center. So I was always a pretty good mover, but I had a really hard time connecting and feeling my uh, solar plexus, my abdominals, and that whole area of my body. It was just like I had a real disconnect from that. So I started doing Pilates. I couldn't afford to do private sessions. So I bought actually the Mari Windsor videos back in the day with Daisy Fuentes. And she taught the Pilates mat work. And I literally had her book and I had her videos and I would just do these Pilates mat exercises and started to reconnect to my body in a way that I hadn't ever felt before. And a few years after that, I had my first son. And after being 
pregnant and, you know, taking on quite a bit of weight with him. He's a large baby for my frame. <laughs> I was introduced then to Pilates on the equipment by a woman named Pamela Pilkinson that's in my hometown of Ventura. And so I remember that first day getting on her reformer, which um, if you're not familiar with Pilates, a reformer is kind of one of the main apparatus or piece of equipment we work with. Um, and it's like a mat with springs attached to it. And you work with spring resistance. And I literally just lied down on that mat, put my feet up on the foot bar and started to press out with my legs, kind of like a squat. And it just, something happened internally where I was like, oh my goodness, I can feel that internal connection of my abdominals. I could feel my body in a way that I, even with the mat work that I hadn't experienced quite um, so profoundly. So I was hooked. That was um, back in 2001. I ended up um, having another baby before I went and got uh, certified to teach. So I went, I went through the whole process of becoming um, comprehensively certified uh, in 2005. And what does that mean comprehensively? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Is that the mat and the reformer or? Yeah. It's actually on all equipment uh, okay. available within Pilates. So we have a Cadillac. We have what's called a Pilates chair or wounded chair. We have a spine corrector and multiple other small little pieces of equipment that we use. So yes, I was trained on all the equipment and then started teaching pretty much right away. So yeah, that's how I got involved with Pilates. Um, in terms of somatic healing work, that is a, little, is a lot more recent for me. So just within the last two years, after the pandemic hit, like most of us, stress was encroaching <laughs> in my body in a way yeah. that was familiar, but also unfamiliar. And I, I, all my normal tactics of kind of dealing with stress weren't really seeming to work for me. And after doing about a year of really intense therapy and EMDR, which was able to heal a lot of trauma for me, I still felt like I had some things within my body that needed to really be processed and released in a way that um, talk therapy wasn't really able to touch into. Right. So, yeah. 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 I experienced the same thing. I mean, I did talk therapy for, I don't know, two decades off and on, I guess, collectively. And it does help, right? It, it feels yeah. better. It's good to have someone to discuss our stuff with. Um, but you're right. I never felt that sort of shift of... I don't know, call it energetics or just the power that those memories or emotions had over me until I started doing some of the more somatic modalities. So back up just a little bit, because I'm going to ask you more about this later too. Um, how long ago did you start your Pilates studio? Yes. Uh, I opened the studio in January of 2017. So okay. it's about five and a half years ago. Okay, yeah. cool. And then would you... Um, and obviously, you know, you don't have to go into any super personal details about the trauma that you experienced, but I know that some of it was physical, some emotional. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything that you want to share about that that you feel is significant for people to know? Sure. Right as I have this, like, thunderstorm rolling in. Really <laughs> I like, like, you that's kind of cool. Yes. I've been aware of my trauma for about 11 years or so, right as I was about to hit 40. 
um, I started to experience a lot of physical symptoms that were, could not be explained by medical doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I started to realize my body was really trying to process um, some of the trauma that I experienced. Um, I'm a survivor of two near-death experiences. So, um, and when I say near-death, it's not like I died and, um, you know, saw the light or anything like that. It's just that I, I came very close to dying. Um, so I'll just clarify that. Um, yeah. one, the first was when I was 10 years old and in a, an accident where I suffered a, a major head trauma. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was after the birth of my third son um, and where I hemorrhaged and had to have an emergency hysterectomy to save my life. Um, so that was at age 33. And so as I approached age 40, a lot of these things started to show up as physical symptoms. I know. So, oh so funny. <laughs> and, uh, oops, there we go. Kind of. And so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I started to get curious about what would that look like to really start to heal from my trauma? That's when I first started to do therapy. And, um, and then I looked at a lot of different modalities, massage therapy. I did cranial sacral therapy. I've done sound healing. I probably, probably you name it. I've tried <laughs> as a part of like, what do I need to, to heal from this? But I guess like a couple years ago, the other piece just really understanding to recognize the childhood trauma that I had experienced as well. Both of my parents deal with some major like mental health issues. And so growing up in that sort of environment, I was very um, unstable in the sense of that we moved a lot and there was always, I was always right. sort of like, what's going to happen next? Like I didn't sure. have a sense of feeling very grounded. And so I think when the pandemic hit, it brought up a lot of those mm-hmm. memories in my body of like this very similar feelings. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't until, you know, really diving into that, that I understood the roles I had played in life in order to make myself feel safe within my right. body. Some of those things were healthy patterns and sure. some are not healthy patterns. Yeah, yeah. I can relate to that hundred percent. I think most of us probably can if we're exploring it at all. So how did it manifest for you? Was it physical pain? Was it illness? Was it more than that? Yeah. Uh, For me, it really started, I actually had a lot of anxiety as a teenager, but I didn't have the support or really people around me to understand what that was about or what was happening. So it was always just told, you're okay, just calm down. Calm down. Advice. Yeah. Right. And, or pray more, things like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None of which uh, seemed to work or make me feel calmer inside. Um, I suffered a lot from heart palpitations when, and panic attacks. Mm-hmm. So when those would come on, I would feel just so ungrounded and like, I just wanted to like come out of my body and it's difficult to breathe, to catch my breath. Yeah, that's kind of the best way I can explain what that felt like for me. Um, as I approached 40, I started having those almost on a daily basis. Yeah. I would be on my way to teach a class and just having a full-on panic attack and somehow getting into that mode of teaching and shifting to another person would help ground me and I would be able to kind of you know work through it. But it was such a common experience that I began to have a lot of insomnia. I wasn't sleeping well. 
my hair was falling out in big clumps. I was having even like neurological, like numbness down on my arms. So those types of issues, stomach digestive issues as well. Like the more anxiety I felt, the more unsettled I felt in my um, stomach and having trouble eating at certain times or the opposite of that would want to eat foods to comfort or calm my nervous system, you know, so kind of swinging between those two states. Yeah. Yeah. God, I can relate to that too. And I think, you know, gut issues and nervous system issues, anxiety are so, so commonly paired because, you know, our gut and our nervous system can't really be looked at in a vacuum. They should always be looked at together because what's going on with us, you know, neurologically, emotionally will so affect our gut function. Um, and you're right. People often experience, you know, one or the other, either emotional eating or, you know, not eating enough. It can fluctuate between the two. I've certainly been an emotional eater myself. I think I still am. It's just a matter of, you know, us learning how to manage that and take better care of ourselves around it. Um, but yeah, I can, I can relate to some of those things and the panic attacks. It's just, it's so scary, especially as a young person, you know, before you really understand what's going on and anyone's kind of acknowledging like, Hey, this is normal if you have anxiety. And, you know, certainly when we were in high school, like that was not something people discussed. It wasn't common knowledge. Uh, it was, I don't know what I would say. It was taboo necessarily. It just something that we had a lot of awareness around. Yeah, I agree. Or resources. Like, I don't right. think- uh, we knew how to get help for that, you know, what that would even, what our options even were other than exactly. maybe you know, talking to a counselor or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So how did, would you say that like doing the Pilates itself was helpful for that aspect of what you were dealing with as far as like the anxiety itself? Um did it help with panic attacks at all? Or was it more the working with your clients that would alleviate those symptoms? Actually, it was both, um, which was super helpful to be in that, that career that I had access to both. Um, movement for me has always been kind of the way that I have self-regulated. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. even as a young child, I was really involved in dance, danced all through high school. And looking back on it now, I can see how I can remember how I feel before going and taking a class, a dance class, and then moving my body through all these different range of motions and feeling that be- these heavy emotions actually have a, an outlet yeah, or release. Yeah. Um, I could not, I didn't understand that that's what was happening at the time, but I knew that I would always, I just kind of always felt more settled after I moved my body. And so it was the same thing for Pilates. Pilates at the time for me, um, for many years, up until probably the last couple of years, the structure of it was super comforting. It was like a container. And I knew the order of the exercises. I was familiar with the exercises and, and I, and that it felt very grounding to work against springs. And so it was a way, another way where I could just move heavy emotion or stress through my body. And then the aspect of teaching that felt super grounded for me is just this like something happens when I get in that mode where I'm just in the zone and I feel so hyper-focused on what's happening 
that everything else falls away. And I think that's why I've done it for so many years and why I love it so much. And also why I'm really loving this somatic work because it's kind of that same attention that I'm able to give to my clients in those sessions. And for me, it feels very safe and very grounding to offer that space for others. Um, I'll be honest, as a Pilates teacher, there have been times where it hasn't always felt super peaceful and grounding. In fact, I had to kind of give up teaching group classes um, for a while during the pandemic just because the amount of energy coming in (laughs) to a group class felt overwhelming for me. Sure. And so I took some time to um, step away from group classes and really focus on one-on-one because that's kind of what I needed as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. Well, I can relate. I feel the same way when I'm working with my clients. It's just that one-on-one time is so the connection with someone else and being able to just completely focus on them. It does feel really grounding. And even though there is energy output there, it's also nourishing for us, right? So, yeah. but that's really beautiful that you can bring that into that space and support others and also feel, feel supported. I think everyone wishes we had a career like that, right? <laughs> if all of us should be so lucky. <laughs> I feel very grateful for that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a blessing that goes in both ways, both directions. Hello, amazing woman. If you're enjoying the show, I would love to connect with you over on Instagram. Just find me at joliverwellness and DM me the words nutrition edit. I'll add you to my close friends list where I share exclusive content and you'll be the first to know about my upcoming masterclasses and programs and get early access to my waitlist. Okay, now back to the show. So give us, if you will, an overview of what somatic work actually is and how it works. Yeah, I think somatic work is kind of, could can be a big general term. So I'll kind of focus more on like what I do and the yeah. app that I'm using um, to work with clients. So I've been trained in a um, technique called somatic stress release therapy. So that is really just connecting with a client, creating space for them to be able to come into their body and check in and see what area, what part of their body might be wanting more attention, might be wanting more care, might be wanting to even communicate to them. Mm -hmm. And so during that session, we'll spend time just kind of focusing on that, listening in and to, and feeling into those sensations, what that might be experienced for each individual. And then And then we ask the body with that sensation, what and how does the body want to move or move that stressor or emotion or whatever it might be through? Um, Sometimes it's not possible to do that Mm -hmm. because of trauma or it's just too intense. And so we back it off and we do a lot of boundary work, containment work, um, really important for clients to feel very safe within their own body to even start somatic therapy. And so depending on what's going on with the person, uh, we approach it that way. And it's very client-led and I am just a guide and a witness to be there to help them to process some of the stress or thing or stuck emotions that might be held in their body and to help them come into better relationship with 
whatever is there, whatever is present. Mm -hmm. So um, not necessarily, it's not necessarily a practice of like pushing stuff off or throwing stuff off or casting it away. It's more of like, how can we be more present with what is there and what is showing up for that person right in that moment? So I see every single session and accepting it to some degree. Yeah. And even that process alone can be, can take some time. Sure. I know for myself, it took me uh, a while to feel like my, my body was a safe place Mm. to inhabit that all the sensations that I felt that were challenging that I can be with them, you know, because mm-hmm. for a long time, I just wanted to like, I wanted them to go away. Right. right. There well, are natural instincts. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's thing. Like, let's just move away from anything unpleasant. Like, yeah. Unpleasant equals bad. And yes. I think that mindset shift of going, okay, it's just what it is. And maybe it's my body trying to tell me something. Yeah. Actually, I think that's a really important piece of if we can look at it, our bodies as neither good nor bad, they just are our bodies. Yeah. And the incredible things that they do for us every single day to carry us through this world, yeah. we can start to shift that and to see it as magical in a way. <laughs> what is there? What is it trying to communicate? How can we get more connected body, mind, and spirit versus just being kind of cut off and compartmentalized? So the right. work that I do is just kind of helping to facilitate that process. I love that. And I think that's such a gift for people because in our world of Western medicine, we put everything in a vacuum. There's the heart guy. There's the, you know, lung specialist. There's someone that does, you know, women's health. There's no BGYN. And then there's, you know, the neurologist or whatever. And we look at these different things in a vacuum. And obviously those people play very important roles. I mean, obviously if I, you know, tear an ACL, I want a good orthopedic surgeon working with me on that. I don't necessarily want someone that's, you know, a naturopath addressing that. Like I, we need those different specialties, but I also think that what gets missed in the larger picture is the fact that everything is so intertwined and that we're a whole person and everything is constantly working in, in concert. And being able to kind of recognize what's going on. I know that you and I have talked about the book before, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. And I know you've mentioned a couple other books that you found really helpful as you were learning and and going through your personal experiences and journey of healing. And just that whole concept of your body receives information from every input, every experience. And it's somehow stored in a positive or negative way, right? But it's just stored and that's going to manifest or resurface in, in some way. And often if we're dealing with health issues or pain, if we can actually tap into where is that coming from? Like, what is that about? And address it accordingly. Like, we can see huge changes for the better and healing and growth, whether it's emotional or physical. So I think it's really important and exciting work. And especially with stress. I mean, obviously stress levels have been through the roof this last several years for us, especially in the United States, especially as women um, recently with ever. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's 
lot. So what have you seen with your own health, your own symptoms, anxiety, as you've started to do this kind of work, both for yourself and with your clients? Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes we, we look for these big, huge shifts or changes. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I look kind of over a period of time, accumulative things that have happened, um, or shifted for me, it's kind of, it's pretty massive in that way. But if you look at just one day, it might not feel that, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, people live so, as big, sexy, like monumental right. shifts, but yes. <laughs> it's a little yes. stuff that adds up. That's usually the most significant. Absolutely. I think the thing that I'm really fascinated with right now is I sort of call this embodied boundaries mm. with women in particular and for myself personally. So I think the more that I have come into this understanding of my own personal boundary, or I call it even the container that exists, the energetic container that exists around my body, the more aware I become of that and also of the ruptures that have happened and the repair that's needed in those areas, just working through those practices have helped me so much to know what's mine, what am I responsible for in this world, and what have I picked up from other people that I might feel within my body, and what is then my responsibility outside of myself. So really being clear about that has, I don't feel a sense of heaviness in the way I think I used to in a lot of my relationships. And even in the client work, as much as I've always loved that, it used to be very, you know, at the end of the day, I would be quite drained just from being around so many people all day and and their energy and their um, struggles and, um, you know, whatever that might be. Yeah. So learning... um, practices, embodied practices of how to maintain my own personal sense of containment boundaries has really been life-changing. And the work I've done with clients around that as well has been very powerful too. I'm really loving that part right now. Are there practices or rituals that you do around that either at the beginning of your day, throughout your day, at the end of the day? For example, I know when I used to work at the Lyme disease clinic, like just the ritual of washing my hands after seeing a client. I used to have, this is like a more woo-woo thing, but I had an essential oil spray that was supposed to like help shift energies, whatever, and kind of, you know, give you a clear, fresh start. And I would sometimes just miss that over my head if I didn't have time to, you know, actually get up, step outside, have like a, you know, visual and physical energy shift. Um, Mm -hmm. But just those little rituals sometimes would really help. And you know, often just prayer was a tool for me, prayer for either my client or for myself at the end of the day, just kind of giving that to my higher power, the concerns mm-hmm. and things that I felt. What are the practices? Like, how do you do that within this somatic stress release therapy? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I left all the things that you shared. I do some very similar things as well. <laughs> uh, in terms of working with clients, I, I've, over the last few months, I started to work with like Palo Santo. So I will burn this sacred wood before and after a session. And it does have kind of clearing properties 
for energy. And so just that sort of simple practice of lighting that and then letting the smoke <laughs> cleanse the yeah. space and cleanse myself has been very helpful. I do have several essential oils as well that I use. And those are great. And washing your hands, any picture of just like, okay, I'm, I'm letting this sort of wash off of me because our our idea around helping people really needs to be in a, come from a healthy place that we can okay. help people most when we stay connected to ourselves. And if we don't stay connected to ourselves and take on everybody else's energy and problems and struggles, then it gets heavier and heavier. We're less able to do what we're called to do. So those practices and rituals, I find them extremely important. I take a bath probably every single night. Yeah. <laughs> just as a way of cleansing and Epsom salt bath. Yes. You know, <laughs> relaxing yeah. system. But throughout the day, the somatic side of that, oftentimes sometimes it's just like shaking it out. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't feel like excess energy. Yeah, like every single time. Yeah. You know, I don't have time to do a 30-minute workout. Right. Every time I see a client, <laughs> I might, you know, kind of bounce or jump or shake it out. Or even this like movement, like with my arms, I'll, I'll reimagine like my membrane around me, the safe container, even like kind of imagine that I'm feeling the edges of it. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. then like um, with gratitude, like I press my hands to, to the client in my imagination or in my head, like, thank you. And then I send you on with gratitude, right. you know, just a way of, of having closure. Oftentimes I need this with family, with family, you know, dealing oh with God, family hunger. Yeah. It gets so intense. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need a reset. Yes. I'm feeling everybody's <laughs> angst or whatever it is. You know, I have three teenage boys and aging parents. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm grateful that now I think of doing that because before right. it would take me until I felt sick to my stomach, mm -hmm. exhausted, burnt out, all these other things to go. Maybe I need to like release some of this stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, and that really is just such a practice, isn't it? Like getting used to, well, first of all, learning the tools. And yes. having that toolbox of ways to, you know, shake off energy, maintain your healthy boundaries and self-soothe as well, right? <laughs> and right. so learning what works for us, learning those tools and then having them at the ready is the key. But it takes some time before we kind of just know to go to that practice versus like, well, I'm just going to eat a bag of cookies or I'm just going to, you know, for some people light up or have a cocktail or whatever it might be that we're using to self-soothe that's not serving us well. Yes, because our body is constantly wanting to go back to that homeostasis, exactly. that window of tolerance. So of course, if we don't have the tools available, we're going to go to whatever is available. Exactly. The quick and easy. And yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's not, I don't think that anyone should feel like bad about that. I think that is just right. what your body is doing to try exactly. to help itself. Exactly. And it's not, you're not a bad person because you do these things. It's right. just your nervous system trying to come back into a state of 
um, yes. regulation. And throughout every day, we're going in and out of that. And really the, the somatic work that ideal helps you kind of increase that window of tolerance, that capacity so that you mm. come back to that place of homeostasis or regulation a little sooner than you might before by having tools and processes release the stress as it comes in. Because it will yeah. come in. It comes in every day. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. We yeah. don't have control over so much of that, right? No, no I totally but- agree. I think part of that too is just releasing, like understanding that as humans, we need to regulate, self-soothe, whatever you want to call it, you know, and that's our natural sort of state that we're trying to return to. And so releasing any shame around that need. Yes. The self-soothe is really, really crucial because, and especially if we're talking about addictive behaviors, you know, um, and I include, you know, food and sugar in that too. I mean, that was my challenge for so much of my life. And so I think the shame drives a lot of those self-destructive behaviors. So if we can release that around it and just go, look, I, I need a way to regulate my nervous system and calm down and feel better and self-soothe. I just need to learn ways to do it that serve me well and that are actually healthy, that actually help with the problem versus masking that problem because then it can just grow, right? <laughs> kind of fester there. Yes, um, absolutely. And I think like, it's oftentimes um, we think of regulating our nervous system as just being calm. Right. And that's not necessarily yeah. true. You know, yeah, sometimes, certainly. you know, what, what we need is to express something or vocalize something or um, move things through versus in order to get to a place where we feel like we can find restoration. Mm-hmm. And, um, our stress response cycle is often thwarted because of cultural ideas around that. Is it, do we have permission mm. to express or say or do or think what, what our body is actually asking for in the moment? Oftentimes that's right. No, we don't have that. Right. So that gets suppressed within our body. And how do we find opportunities to complete that stress response cycle so that we can come into not just a state of relaxation, but restoration. When we're yes. in restoration, oh, right? Our system, you know, all our body is working as a whole in the way that it's healing or that is healing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really important, important point to make. Cause again, it's that like, we always think, well, if my body is doing what it's supposed to do and I'm, you know, everything is okay, then I'll just feel happy and I'll feel good constantly. It's like, well, necessarily, like it might be really uncomfortable initially. Um, but yeah, you know, change is, is good. That movement is good. Yeah, absolutely. And then just knowing that for so many of us, we just have to go, we have to take it really slow and mm-hmm. gentle, you mm-hmm. know, that, um, forcing yourself to do this type of work in a really intense capacity could backfire, you know? So just like right. really listening, like giving yourself bits of, of permission and then coming back to a source of safety or, or um, groundedness, I think is really important too. And then it's a process. Everything, everything we do to kind of move in that direction is helpful and it doesn't all have to happen in 
one moment, right? Yes. Oh, that's so crucial. It, I just had a similar discussion with Amanda Gibby Peters, who's a feng shui expert. And she, we were talking about this exact thing that people love this like long like to-do list. Like here's what you do to fix it, whatever it is. And yes. so many of the women that I work with are very type A. They're very goal-driven, data-driven, and they're kind of all or nothing. All in or not. And, you know, I think for both of us, a lot of the work that we do is helping people, people find comfort to some degree in that gray zone, you know, where you're sort of, you're doing, starting with some things, starting small, doing what feels easy and accessible first, and then eventually building on that, right? Adding things in instead of trying to do all the things immediately, burning out, being overwhelmed, <laughs> et cetera, and then feeling like you failed miserably because you've given it all up. And it's just sort of a I think a, a fast track to failure when we try to do too much too fast, right? It sounds like it's the same thing with this type of work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, again, that is even one piece of learning to listen to what is enough that my, or how much can my body really process mm. in each mm -hmm. moment, you know, or in each session that I do with clients, like, just tapping into that and knowing where things might feel a little bit more overwhelming and how can we, how can we, um, pendulate from something that's maybe a little more challenging coming back to something that's not in order to, um, help someone build that capacity to handle bigger stressors, you know, so it's really good to start with smaller things, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't have an example right now, but things that are not going to be at a, a nine or 10, maybe a four sure. or five, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. As a Pilates instructor and a studio owner, how have you seen your clients' trauma and experience present kind of in that setting? Do you see that present in that setting? Um, yes. I, I, I believe so. Now it's not always, we are not psychotherapists. Right. Not, of course. <laughs> practice. Unless you've done some trauma informed work, it's not, that's not really our training. However, I think anytime you're working with bodies mm -hmm. that might show up as tension, you know, right. like sometimes I'll be working with a client and they just feel really tense and like, it's difficult to just find the flow of movement. Um, and maybe that tension, it's not my job to, to really figure out the origin of that tension, but just to maybe notice it. And can I create enough safety in my interaction and my teaching of this client to allow their body to come into a little bit more of less tension, to be able to move a little bit more? Um, so that's kind of how I approach that. Um, sometimes people cry in sessions. It yeah. just comes up. You know, there's an emotional release. When we move certain parts of our bodies, you know, we might hold a lot of emotion or pain or trauma in our pelvis or hips or our neck and shoulders or whatever it is. And if we get that area to move, um, yeah. there might be a, an emotional release. And so I'm always trying to just create an environment where my clients feel safe enough that they can, whatever is their experience is allowed. 
whatever that looks like. And um, there's no judgment for me. I find all of that extremely beautiful and yeah. fascinating the way the body um, can work through some of these things. So yeah, it's just, a, for me, it's just noticing and just trying to uh, be someone that is a co-regulator to them. So they, they have yeah. the ability to maybe, maybe let go a little bit more than they did previously. Yeah. A co-regulator. I love that. I think that's a great way of saying that. And I ask you that because I've had really interesting experiences where either if I'm getting body work or I'm doing some sort of exercise and out of nowhere, I'm not necessarily even thinking about something that's, you know, upsetting or whatever, but just emotions will well up and I will start crying. And I remember in the past thinking like, what is wrong with me? Like, this is ridiculous. Where is this coming from? Get a hold of yourself, Jeannie, for God's sake. You know, I hear that, that inner critic, right? And yeah. now it's, you know, having people like you and my life that I've been lucky to work with, do they body workers or, you know, fitness instructors, um, God, even doing some of my like online workouts at home, my home gym, I'll find like sometimes I'll just be doing something and it's so much fun and I'll have this total, like, I'll just burst into tears and all this emotion will just come up. I'm doing some ridiculous cardio workout. Like, what is that? But it's so profound. And I think that it's really exciting to be able to offer that, that safe space for people. And I think it gives them an opportunity too to be like, oh, this is stored in my body. This is something that I can mm -hmm. actually like it, it's empowering to some degree to know, like, all right, maybe not be in control of it, but I think that once we're able to acknowledge that something's there, then we can go, all right, this is cool. I can deal with this now versus just having something that's so buried so deeply. We don't know what it's about, where it came from, what to do about it. We just know that like shit feels bad and we don't feel good. And that's manifesting in one way or the other. And so I think that's super exciting. And, you know, you and I have talked before about partnering offer different services to my clients. And I think that it's something that, you know, I would love everyone to have access to because mm -hmm. yes, therapy is wonderful. It's great. But I think it's one piece of the puzzle. And I think that our physical body is a huge piece of it too. Yeah. And Absolutely. like you said before, like movement, exercise, and even I think especially like building strength, mm -hmm. there's something there that is so healing. I mean, obviously we know that it's good for stress management. Great. Yeah. But I'd love to hear from you too, like what you feel is the role of, I don't want to even use the word fitness, but I think movement, getting in touch with our bodies, strengthening our bodies, like what's the role there in our overall healing outside of the picture of like, you know, aesthetics and being in shape and looking a certain way weighing a certain number? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's something really empowering when you can start to build a sense of connection and strength within your body in order to function through life. And that might be like very simple things. Like some of my clients want to be able to go up and down their stairs without hurting. Yeah. Or some of my other clients want to 
hike a 14er in Colorado here. Those are different goals, but they're both can be really powerful when our clients start to feel their sense of capabilities. So I think so often our voice that we hear in our head is I can't be, we're always thinking about what we can't do. Mm, that mm-hmm. what we negative you know, and- is what I heard for so long. You're always like, you know, that, that negative um, self-talk. And even when I have clients come to me that are dealing with a lot of injuries and um, pain, mm-hmm. the focus, we try to focus on what their body can do and build from there because it, that shift is so healing. And once they start to, to see a bit of success in one area and they feel that in their body, it's yeah. like, it's so empowering. I'm like, right. oh, I did this a month ago. I could not right. get out of my car without my hip popping or whatever it was. You know, now it's like, I'm doing this functional activity and I'm, then I feel great. Last month I was at my parents packing up their house, lifting extremely like heavy boxes. And I just, I haven't been able to do intense work like that because my body was in such a protective mode for so long until I got to a place where all of those pieces started to come together that I could really start strength training with Mm -hmm. working with weights and then connecting that into the Pilates work that I do as well. And to be in a place where I can do things that I, I never thought I would be able to do is like amazing. And same with my clients, you know, yeah. but sometimes we have yeah. to heal these other things to get there. And that's okay right. too. You to take a gentle approach in order to reach our goals. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think that that speaks back to you know, my goal with all the work that I do and what I know is important for probably our listeners and all of the clients who I work with is that personalization, meeting mm-hmm. where you're at and being able to say, you know, I don't have to do X, Y, and Z or eat, a, you know, ABC because Susie down the street does this or this works for my husband or, you know, whatever bandwagon there is that people think that they should be following that isn't necessarily going to work for them, but people try to do that. And that's when they get injured or they just get frustrated or they do something that doesn't serve them well, you know, nutrition wise, they end up feeling worse and then they just get discouraged and just throw it out. And I think that this is another modality where people can go, okay, I'm getting in touch with my own body, my own emotions What's going to actually work for me where I'm at right now? And I think developing that self-acceptance, I think self-love can come way down the road and that can be a lot of work, but that self-acceptance and just um, awareness, right? (laughs) Starting there, it can feel really scary and uncomfortable at first, but as we build on that, it just is, man, it's, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And it feels really good. It does feel empowering. It does feel empowering. And I've had the same experience with, with fitness. I got into that before I ever got into nutrition, just that yeah. movement, like doing something that felt powerful with my body, even though I didn't like how my body looked, feel myself getting stronger. Just that little incremental shift from day to day was life-changing over time. But man, you know, it, 
I didn't start out with being able to, you know, lift super heavy weights and mm-hmm. do a bunch of push-ups on my toes. Like, yeah, I think that people would put too much pressure on themselves to meet a certain standard out the gate, right? Or they're self-conscious to go to a gym because they imagine everyone else is fitter than them or mm-hmm. yeah, pushing themselves to do a class that's too hard because their friends are all doing whatever it is, whatever it is. So it's cool to hear that reaffirmed from someone who's actually a fitness instructor that you don't have to come in as this like perfect, <laughs> super strong fitness woman <laughs> out no, the gate. Yeah. You just have to come in as yourself and just have a willingness to meet yourself where you're at and to ask like, Hey body, like what, what do you mean? What do you want to say yeah. to me? And that, you know, even in our own journeys of getting stronger and more capable, maybe with certain movements or exercises, mm-hmm. et cetera, there's still days where I need to walk or I yes. need to do something more restorative um, because that's what my body's asking for. Yeah. And I might have a whole plan of like, oh, right. do all this, this. and then I wake up and I'm like, there is no way <laughs> like that would just push me to the edge. And, you know, we're so used to like using pain as a gauge, like, oh, this right. Is so yeah. I have to be sore. It's harder to go Yeah. You know, that mentality. And it's like, what, what would it look like if, we switch that and so instead of pushing, pushing, pushing all the time, like what does my body need to right. feel its best today in this moment? Are you familiar with Elizabeth Gilbert, the author? I know who she is, but I, I haven't read her work. Yeah, she I would highly recommend her books. <laughs> she, fiction and nonfiction. Um, but she was in Denver this spring and she spoke and she said she talked all about the last two years and how she's come back into relationship with herself in a way that she's never experienced before. And she said, you know, I always thought that the most revolutionary woman was a woman who was making all these changes and doing all these things and, you know, involved in everything and yeah. helping yeah. in all the ways possible. Shaker. Yeah. Right. All of that. And she said, what I now believe is a revolutionary woman is a woman who is rested and relaxed. Amen to that. Oh, and how hard is that, right? <laughs> it's so hard. And I think too, you know, it's constantly reinforced in the culture that we live in, in our workplaces, amongst our friends and family and the media that the more you're accomplishing, the more value you have. Yeah. Right? And more is better. I can't tell you how many women that I've worked with who are like cardio queens and they're going to like five days a week of spin or CrossFit or something that's really high intensity and they are struggling. They're struggling with health, weight. They're exhausted all the time. They're adrenals are shut like and they have on top of that like kids high-powered demanding careers um you know households that they're managing work travel it's an insane amount of stuff for one person to deal with on a daily basis and here they are 
pushing their bodies harder and harder and trying to eat less and less and work out more and more. And it's just this completely unsustainable, awful, depleting way of life, right? And it's pretty incredible when I can convince them to get off the cardio train and do more restorative exercise, be it Pilates or yoga, or just take a day off between your high intensity workouts, like whatever that is, like they're so fearful about that because it's an identity, but it's also that like calories in calories out mentality that they're stuck on. Like, well, if I'm not burning more calories, am I going to gain weight? But when they're actually willing to trust the process, like these women feel better, they sleep better, they do lose weight, like they have happier lives. I mean, it just can change everything. And then there's some space created within that too for them to get a little bit more in touch with their body and their emotions through those more restorative practices. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, have you seen shifts with people over time that are working with you as far as doing more restorative stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it it can be incremental for some people, but still make a huge difference. And even gen- I think a con- part of that is like creating, we have to create capacity within our body to not be busy all the time, to not be pushing, to not be doing. I think in a way we get addicted to that, if I'm honest, because we don't, we don't have to connect to ourselves if we're doing something, whether it be exercise or work from the morning, from the time we wake up till the time we go to bed. And so it can be really scary to slow down and come more in touch with ourselves. Right. You know, but I feel like that's like a window to the doorway of the possibility of so many things shifting and healing and a weight and heaviness, not in terms of like body weight, but just like a heavy weight that we carry as women and start to fall away. And we can start to, to recognize that maybe there's another way, you know, we can still be responsible for these things, but maybe we can take care of ourselves a little bit more in the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a beautiful way, beautiful way of putting it. I love that. I think it is really hard for some people to be alone with their thoughts yeah. and to have that, that quietness because that's when those um, negative thoughts, emotions, whatever, that are unpleasant will surface. Yeah. But I I just think it's so liberating to actually be able to acknowledge those things and face them head mm-hmm. on and learn to deal with them in healthy ways versus just suppressing and suppressing and suppressing. Because I feel like that is often what is driving us to make, like we talked about before, the self-destructive choices. It mm-hmm. prevents us from reaching our goals professionally you know, health-wise in relationships, it really has a huge effect. So that slowing down and allowing for some quiet space, even if that quiet space gets noisy, (laughs) is sort of a crucial first step, right? (laughs) Yeah. Just to be able to hear, like, what is there? Yeah, exactly. are those feelings and emotions and sensations that um, are wanting to come forth. I mean, I feel like that is literally why I kept having so many panic attacks and all of these mm-hmm. health issues. Like my body was like, okay, 
you have not listened to me for a really long time. And so I'm going to get louder and louder and louder. Yeah, exactly. Until, until you acknowledge me and right. listen, you know, for a minute. And uh, that, that can be one of the most difficult things to do. But I think, like you said before, we can, we, we can build that capacity to face what's there, to process what's there and to allow our bodies to heal emotionally, physically, spiritually, like, it's just, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of what it means to like feel really good, you know, mm -hmm. and it feels mm -hmm. good lately based on all this. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just like a little taste of it, you know? Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. As far as, well, I'd love to hear what you think this work can do either, you know, if you want to share what it's done for you or what you feel it can do for people in terms of, you know, we talked about kind of like physical healing, but also like body image and relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, um, that's a big one, isn't it? For all of us <laughs> as women. Yeah. Um, gosh, I think, I mean, I, I think I'll just speak from my own story of growing up in the dance world and kind of, you know, hearing a lot of messages of you're not quite skinny enough or, oh, you need to lose weight. And, you know, whatever those things were. The dance world um, in Southern California. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be honest, you know, I put on a lot of weight when I went through puberty and was a, you know, 15, 16 year old, like. And that, that kind of had a lasting impression on me, on my self-esteem and how I felt about my body. And then add on top of that, some of the family dynamics I was dealing with. And then, um, you know, coming so close to dying a couple of times, I didn't necessarily think that my body was this gift <laughs> to me. Sure. You know, yeah. I saw it more as like a problem right. and that I had to solve and I had to figure out. And I think in my own journey of healing, um, I have just come to view my body as more and more of almost like I see myself as this little, it's the little girl version of my body that just needs like care and just needs someone to like listen for a minute and to notice. Yeah. And when I... Had, the more I've worked in um, coming back into relationship with my body, the more I see it from that perspective of like, what do you need? And, yeah. you know, that it has precious um, intel and wisdom yeah. right. that I think as women, we hold such incredible wisdom in our body that we, we are not taught to tap into because we're no. taught to fix and to change and to make better and all this stuff. But what if we were taught like, what, what is, what are those deep giftings that our body holds that wisdom that wants to come forth? And we start to open up that portal, you know, that blows my mind. And that has changed my perspective of like how I see myself. You know, I used mm -hmm. to be so critical on certain, you know, like, my belly, oh, it's not perfectly flat or whatever. My thighs are touching. All the stupid things that 
we get caught up into in terms of aesthetics instead of like putting my hands on those areas and then feeling into and thanking that part of my body for what it's given me. Yeah. You know, it's such a shift. It feels subtle at times, but it can be really profound. And, and now I, um, you know, of course, I still have days where I'm like, oh, I'm getting more wrinkles or whatever. <laughs> but I feel like my relationship with yes, myself is, it's like this, uh, it's like a book, you know, and I'm just starting to like learn and read and discover like what it's here to teach me. Yeah. And isn't that just so, it's so cool. And it's just so in, you know, part of me, I really am enjoying my forties because I feel like a lot of the BS that clouds our thinking when we're younger, I've kind of let go of that. You know, I think that's one of the blessings as we get older is we're like, I don't really give a shit what people think that much anymore. And, you know, I'm just going to do me. But there's part of me that grieves the fact that I didn't clue into this stuff at a younger age because I feel like, wow, if I had been able to appreciate my body, even if I didn't like exactly how it looked at a much younger age, like in my 20s, I would have just not wasted all that time in self-hatred and, you know, that feeling of just not being enough right? Never being good enough or perfect enough or pretty enough or thinner enough. All that nonsense that we waste so much of our lives on. And so ladies, if you're out there and you're younger and you're listening to this, like just let that shit go. (laughs) go Because you'll hit a point in your life where you're like, why did I waste my time worrying about it? You know, and everything that we're taught, at least in our culture, um, and to a lot of us who grew up in the church, there's the whole purity culture thing. I mean, there's so many layers to this. We're not, we are deconditioned away from our intuition and being in touch with our bodies. We're actually conditioned for the opposite. We're taught like, and we're told too, especially even to this day, women are dismissed so often in doctor's offices. You know, yeah. we're told it's all in your head. Oh, don't worry about it. You're just being paranoid or you're just whatever it is. Yeah. I remember as a child being told you're just tired or hungry whenever I was upset about something, which I'm sure some of that was true, but it also, the message it sends is that your emotions don't matter or don't take yourself seriously. Don't listen to that intuition. Don't listen to that gut thing. Um, I remember being a young person and every once in a while I would have a sense of something something would pop into my head like, oh, this specific instance I can think of is my godparents. One day I'm just, I'm in high school, I'm driving along for no reason out of the blue, they popped into my mind and I just felt a really strong sense of like urgency and concern. And all I needed to do in that moment was just pray for them. Yeah. And I found out later that day they had been in a car accident, it, literally the moment. And I remember telling someone about that. I had lived with this family at the time. And, um, they, the father was a pastor and they were very different types of Christians than I was and had grown up with. They were very conservative and, you know, much more rigid and legalistic, which was not my experience. and is still not the way, you know, my faith is to this day. 
But they, I told them that for some reason in conversation and they mocked me. The, the wife mocked me. She goes, no. oh yeah. So apparently Jeannie has these premonitions and it was very mocking and dismissive. And I remember a few instances like that where people were just so dismissive about that. And I think that we experienced that a lot. Now, less often maybe nowadays because people are more embracing the woo. Like they embrace things, you know, that are a little bit more um, what we used to call hippie woo-woo and maybe a little more uh, new age, so to speak, where it's a little less out there. Um, but I do think that there's a real job for us to undertake in reconnecting with that intuition, yeah. um, that sixth sense, if you will. It's that kind of spidey sense that people refer to as like, you kind of know someone's right behind you or looking at you or whatever that is and tapping into that and really learning to trust our instincts, listen to our gut feelings. Yes. I mean, there's a reason we say gut feeling, right? It's like <laughs> we have more nerves around our, our gut than we do in our spinal cord. And so, you know, I want to encourage people like connect with Nicole, connect with someone that can do this sort of work with you so that you can better tap into your intuition, recognize that. And I think for a lot of us too, there's so much noise in our world. And we do have, if we especially, especially if we struggle with anxiety, um, those of us who are neurodivergent, it can be really hard to distinguish between just anxiety or fear and intuition. Yeah. So being able to connect back in your body and distinguish those two things, I think is a really, really crucial thing. And what a gift, right? If we can go, oh, okay. No, I know I can recognize that as anxiety or whatever else is going on. And no, that's not what's going on. This is my intuition and I need to trust it, and listen to it. Especially when it comes to physical healing, right? It would better allow us to advocate for ourselves with doctors and when they say, oh, just do X, Y, Z, or, oh, that's not reality. You're just imagining it or whatever. We can go, nope, no thanks. I need to seek out better help or I know what I need to do for myself and I'm going to do it regardless of what somebody in a white coat says to me. Anyway, that was a long tangent, but. I love it. I love everything you shared. I think that's a good piece. <laughs> to embodiment and connecting yeah. to our bodies, connecting to our intuition. And, and I guess, you know, I was kind of calling it that inner wisdom that our body holds for us. Um, and I definitely believe that there are, when we're in touch with that, we are going to get messages about things in the moment or people or what we need or what someone else might need. And um, the more we can tap into that and get comfortable with that communication, the more we'll be able to use those gifts to not only heal and help ourselves, but to help others. And yeah, yeah I still think it's a lot of people think it's taboo or a little bit like out there, but this is our birthright, yeah. <laughs> you know, to be able to have that and, um, and to call that forth. That's so powerful. And we, we deserve to be living and moving and walking in our intuition as it's connected to our body and spirit and mind for sure. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and another instance or example that comes to mind is, you know, often children as children, we have a sense about certain things. I've had so many clients come in and say, like, as a kid, I never wanted 
milk, for example. Like I hated it. I hated dairy products when my parents forced me to drink milk because it's supposed to be good for me. And it turns out like later in life, the person had like a full on like dairy intolerance. And as a child, they knew it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't acknowledged. Like they weren't trusted. Right. And all the societal yeah. things are supposed to be what you do were pushed on them by the parent with the parent's best intention. Right. It's not like trying to have a child, but right. it's just an example or kids that don't want to be around a certain relative and mm-hmm. the other is to like give them a hug or give them a kiss when they greet them. Like that kind of thing. It's like, I know so many women or, and even men who have been molested by relatives they had no business being around, but because the parent was concerned and didn't take the child seriously and didn't want to offend a family member, they were pushed into a situation and then they were harmed because of it. And I think that yeah. as parents, as, and I'm not a parent, but, you know, I have, oh God, was it eight nieces now and a couple of nephews? <laughs> um, just as people, you know, we can really help younger people be they small children or teens, young adults, other young women to really embrace that because it's kind of our superpower, but it's that's suppressed a lot. So anyway. Yes. <laughs> I absolutely agree with that. And and think it's something that needs to be encouraged for sure. And it's never too late. Exactly. To tap back into yeah. that part of you. It's still there. It just, you know. It went away because, or you think it went away because you had to protect it or keep it buried because it wasn't safe to express. Right. The more that you can safely express those things that come up for you, the, the more you're going to tap into that and, um, and feel that flowing a little bit more for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's where hiring a professional to help you with this can be really key because it's mm-hmm. someone that's there for that specific purpose. Yeah. You're not wasting their time. It's not a friend or a family member that you're expecting to show up in this level or this capacity of holding space for you and guiding you, right? But it's a professionally safe person. (laughs) Because oftentimes you don't have that safe person in our social or family life. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's a good thing to seek out and have that safe space with someone that knows how to help you through that process. Um, Absolutely. Anything else that you want to say around just how this work can influence our, our mindset overall, level of motivation, ability to stay consistent with the changes that we want to make in our lives? Yeah. I think it's just another piece of the puzzle that sometimes is missing. You know, we do. Sure. It, it's a lot easier easier for uh, many of us to access mindfulness or focus on maybe just exercise or nutrition, but you maybe might not think about like, how does our body fit into this whole equation? And it does, definitely does. Um, And I think the more we open that door to coming into reconnection to ourselves, um, that a lot of the, for me, like a lot of the negative beliefs and things like that are starting to just fall away because I've dealt more with what's in my body. Mm-hmm. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, coming yeah. at it from that doorway and releasing emotions or beliefs, then I, it's like, 
I don't feel the same struggle that I did before when I was constantly just like, okay, come on now, just, can you believe that this is true and this is not? And just tell yourself, like, mm-hmm. right. you know, that can only go so far. Yeah. Um, so for mindset, that's, um, that's been really powerful for me. Um, and what else did you ask me? What others? Just maintaining, like, you know, maintaining habits as we're trying to create new habits and stuff in our life or being consistent with the things that we know serve us well. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think um, all of that is just kind of built one on the other. And the more we sort of practice things, the easier it becomes to do them consistently. And then if you feel and see the results in your body and in your life, you're more apt to like continue down that road, right? So um, when you feel less um, heavy energetically, emotionally, mentally, it's a lot easier to stick to whatever your goals are than it is when you feel really um, pressed down by those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It saps your energy. Exactly. All your energy goes into that. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So what are just, I know we're getting short on time. I want to be respectful of your time today, but what are just a few simple practices, like maybe the top few things you can think of that people can do to help regulate their nervous systems or put this kind of into practice for stress relief? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, we went uh, super deep on this stuff, right? But it's like at the end of the day, people just want to feel less stressed out. <laughs> right. And again, it's um, it's difficult to just go, just do this and it'll, right. <laughs> you know, feel better. But um, I think a good doorway to some of this work is our grounding practices. So oftentimes I'll start a session with... Um, just having a client maybe place one hand on their heart, one hand on their belly, and wherever they're seated, they just start to feel that surface underneath them, supporting them, their feet on the ground, maybe even imagining there's roots that come from their feet into the earth, that they really have this support system underneath them. And guide it to even just spending a couple of minutes just breathing and just feeling a sense of maybe even like honey dripping off your body and just feeling a little more rounded or weighted into the earth um, can just help us to feel a little less like frenzied and mm-hmm. anxious. Um, I will say for some people that that might not feel good. And if it doesn't, then definitely don't do that on your own if it doesn't feel like it's helping you. So really just listening in and, and um, trying out different things. Maybe it's breath work that is a doorway for you into your body. Um, you know, perhaps it's movement practices, things like that. Um, but just finding like, what is a doorway that feels like I could go walk through in order to connect with myself a little mm-hmm. bit deeper and go there. So for me, that's been a, a really windy path. And I'm like, I've tried some things and I'm like, oh, okay, that was interesting, but that's not quite what I need right now. I have yeah. this one massage therapist that it's just not working right now. Yeah. It's making me more dysregulated every time I go. Mm-hmm. 
And then I went to this other type. I did a a gua sha facial massage. It was the most amazing, relaxing thing. Um, you know, like you go and you have your sauna sessions, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Oh my God. I know. I think God for the sauna. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like so beautiful. And you're able to get a sense of yourself in that space um, where you can connect and um, feel like maybe you can slow down a little bit. Maybe you can mm-hmm. breathe a little bit more. So whatever that looks like, it's, maybe it starts with just a question to yourself. Mm. What do I need? Yeah. And walking in that direction, getting the help that you need, support that you need from others, trying to practice this out. And, um, and that's honestly, like, that's what I do with clients as well is we try on different things and it's very individualized to what they need. And that might change session to session because our needs change as well. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Awesome. Well, this is super, super exciting and helpful information, Nicole. I appreciate you joining us. I am excited because Nicole will be offering her somatic work with, well, to some of my clients here soon. Um, But tell us in the meantime where people can find you and how they can work with you. Yeah. Well, thank you again for having me. I just, I love these conversations. I feel like I could talk we can talk for hours. <laughs> I know. <laughs> for sure. Thank you for everyone Thank you. for listening. We both really appreciate that. Um, so I, right now I'm on Instagram, Nicole at Nicole Larie Field. So you can find me there and I'll be posting probably more from my personal um, page, how to get to my website and how to work with me. And so my website will be wholelivinghealing.com. And so you can reach me there when uh, that should be up and running here quite soon. And then email wholelivinghealing at gmail.com as well. Okay, cool. You can also connect people to me as well. (laughs) Yeah. And then how about your Pilates studio? Yes. And so my Pilates studio is wholelivingpilates.com on Instagram. And you're in Colorado Springs, correct? Yes, we're in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So if you're in the area, we'd love to see you. Um, But yes, and then Instagram is at Whole Living Pilates. Awesome. And I'll put all that in the show notes too for everybody. So you don't have to remember it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And um, this was just great. And so I appreciate you joining us. And I'm excited to do this again soon. We'll have to getting more specific next time do another episode down the road oh i'd love to thank you again it's such an honor just to be here and to share with your audience so yeah thank you awesome you're welcome loved having you hey there thanks for hanging out with me today and if you enjoyed the show please subscribe and leave me a quick review also check out the show notes for links to connect follow and share this podcast and for information featured in each episode see you next time I am not a doctor and the content here should not be taken as medical advice. All information in this podcast is for informational purposes only, does not constitute medical advice, and does not establish any kind of practitioner or coach-client relationship. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Do not disregard medical advice or delay seeking medical advice because of information you hear in this podcast or any other, and do not start or stop any medications without speaking to your health provider. 
Always seek the advice of a qualified health practitioner before undertaking a new health regimen. This podcast and website represents the opinion of Jeannie Oliver and guests to the show. Opinions of guests are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Jeannie Oliver Wellness LLC or our producers.